You are listening to Best Life After Cancer, episode number 69. Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Butzbach. I recorded this episode way back in June. I can't believe it's November. Stay tuned, and in the next week or so, I'm going to record an update on how Phil's surgery went and where we stand today. Welcome back. For anyone new, I am Dr. Deborah Blitzbach. I'm a radiation oncologist. Like you, I'm also so much more. For many years, I've been a wife, mom, and friend. This year, I added to the list bereaved mother after losing my 13-year-old son, Miles, and wife of a cancer patient as my husband has been diagnosed with a vocal cord cancer. He underwent radiation in January and February and unfortunately has had a very unusual early recurrence and is having surgery this week to remove his voice box. In medical terms, the surgery is called a laryngectomy. He will not be able to speak normally ever again, though there are ways to regain speech with time and practice. Right now, we don't know if he will be able to regain enough function to be able to go back to his job as a urologist. I have to tell you, this is another club I didn't want to join. The club of a wife supporting a husband with a recurrent cancer. All the worries and stress that go with that. But it did give me a first-hand look about how we as humans deal with stress, and more than that, waiting for biopsies for the results of tests, for surgery. You have all told me how much it sucks, how stressful it is. I saw and appreciated that, but until now, I didn't actually have to live it. So I will tell you what I've learned doing it firsthand. Interestingly, the techniques I have taught patients are really what I fell back on. They work on fixing what you can and trying not to worry about the stuff you can't change. Phil, I have found, is actually pretty good at this. He looks at the situation, works to figure out what he can change, and then stops worrying and tries to just enjoy every day. I, on the other hand, am a worrier by nature. I suspect many of you who listen to this podcast are as well. So how have I tamed my worry? The first day I found out that they were pretty certain he had a recurrent cancer, I took some time and wrote out the facts I knew then. My mind wanted to go to, oh my God, he will die or never work again and life will be ruined. Of course, that is what my brain wanted to jump to. So I took some time and wrote out the facts. I will share some of them here because maybe some of them will resonate with you and you can borrow them. The first was, to my current knowledge, he has no evidence of metastatic disease. Second, we can live happily much more frugally than we currently do. We did it for all of residency when we made less than minimum wage if you looked at the actual dollars earned per hour worked. Third, even if he has a laryngectomy and cannot speak or be in water again, there are things that will bring us joy. Let me take a little sidebar here. 
I had treated patients with laryngectomies before. I don't personally treat head and neck cancers, but I cover those types of patients when my partners are out of town. But even caring for them, the full impact of a laryngectomy had not really registered with me. If you have a tracheostomy or a stoma, which is a hole in the neck that you breathe through, you can never participate in any water activities again. This means you can't swim, scuba dive or snorkel, jet ski, sail, all things we did routinely. So my brain was like, ah, we'll have to give up everything we enjoy. Bullshit. We are not dolphins. We don't live in the water. There are plenty of things we enjoy that have nothing to do with the water. Fourth, we have done a good job saving and putting ourselves in a good financial position for an unplanned disaster. Fifth, I have a good job that can continue to pay our bills and give us health insurance. I had planned on an early retirement, but life changes. The fact is I can and will work as long as we need me to as a family. Fifth, we have an appointment with the ENT to decide our steps on Tuesday. We don't know anything for certain currently. We don't even know for certain it is a recurrence. Sixth, I love him and he loves me. We are a team and we'll figure this out together. Those were some of my facts. This exercise allowed me to gain some control over my brain as it was going absolutely nuts with the sky is falling. Then Tuesday came and we met with the ENT surgeon and he told us we had to go to the operating room for biopsies, more waiting. And when we looked down Phil's throat with the scope at that visit, we could all appreciate that the abnormality we saw was growing. Great, add that to the list of facts. We can see growth in the two weeks between the first visit and the second. But again, back to fact number one. To my knowledge, he has no evidence of metastatic disease at this time. So in that moment, I did my doctor assessment of what do I have in my control? I wrote out what I could control. I could do everything possible to get his scans quickly and his biopsy scheduled as soon as possible. I admit I can make this happen quicker than most patients' wives can, but what I did, you can also do. Call the insurance company to pressure them to approve the tests. Most patients don't realize, but while your doctor is trying to approve tests, you can also call and ask that they be approved. You can give additional information the insurance company needs. I asked to speak to a navigator. Most insurance companies have them, and ours, even though they didn't advertise it, did as well. I pressured them to approve the tests, and I got a confirmation number and then called the radiology department to schedule the tests. You can wait for the doctors to do these things, but it may take longer. I also contacted the surgical scheduler, made sure she had my phone number, and asked her to let me know if there were any snags. We got the PET scan and a CAT scan of the neck, both of which are standard testing for recurrent head and neck cancer. The PET scan confirmed that there was currently no evidence of distant disease. While we were waiting for the surgery to do the biopsies, we also got a second opinion at another university hospital. I always tell patients if they are uneasy or unsure to get a second opinion. I believe that when we are looking at something truly life-changing, Making sure we've explored all of our options makes things easier down the road if things don't go as we planned. 
I wanted to know that we had done our due diligence before we put him through a laryngectomy. I used the same navigator that our patients use to get a quick appointment at the University of Pennsylvania, and they helped to coordinate records being available. The second opinion doctor said everything the first doctor did, as expected, but gave us more information on what to expect moving forward. Even for us, two doctors, the opinion helped us to better understand our options. If it helped us, I can only think it would help all patients as well. Then the time came for the exam under anesthesia and biopsies. Unfortunately, the biopsies came back confirming a recurrence. We got the biopsy report quicker than expected because the frozen path, done while the patient is in the OR, confirmed cancer. It doesn't always, but in this case it did. So we had a quick meeting with the surgeon in the recovery room, and he gave us the news that we were definitely looking at either a partial or total laryngectomy. Either way, removing all of the vocal cords. We now knew that he would need major, life-altering surgery. Again, okay, what do I have control over? Scheduling surgery as quickly as possible, since I know this was growing quickly. Finding out what Phil wanted to do with the last few weeks of life as we knew it. Managing his symptoms as best we could. That is what I could control. We got the surgery scheduled for two weeks later. Knowing that his eating would be changed and he could lose his sense of smell, I asked him to make a list of foods he'd like to eat and restaurants he'd like to visit. We briefly discussed a trip somewhere to do some last scuba diving, but we had done a really great dive on spring break with the kids, and we decided that was how we wanted to remember scuba diving together. So we planned meals, his favorite childhood meal his mom made, sushi at our favorite restaurant, dinner with friends at an amazing French place in New Hope, boardwalk pizza from the place he had gone his whole life, lobster rolls. I planned and coordinated all of his eating experiences, and I tried to help manage his symptoms. Sleeping is a challenge. He coughs when he lays flat. Every night, I tried something different until we hit on a combination of raising the head of the bed, meds to suppress the cough, and meds to help him sleep got him to a place where he wasn't coughing for three hours before he finally fell asleep. Those were things I can control, and I did what I could to maximize the time that we had. During this time, my brain still, of course, wants to go to the worst-case scenario. He will die on the OR table. He will need a total laryngectomy. He will never work again. And on and on, around and around. We had two weeks to wait. His symptoms were worsening. I knew from the prior visit that the tumor was growing. So how to manage my mind during this waiting game? Well, with all the techniques I always try to get my patients to use. Meditation to calm and slow the mind. 20 minutes daily at least. I use Insight Timer or some of the other meditation apps. Yoga, also to calm the mind reduce some of the adrenaline and stress hormones, and release my natural endorphins or the feel-good hormones. It is pretty amazing. It is hard to stay stressed when doing the breathing and flow and hold of the yoga positions. I hadn't been pushing yoga hard enough for my patients. Now I know yoga is amazing for reducing the stress of waiting for tests or path results. Continued journaling reminding myself daily what I could control, 
brainstorming on things we could still do even if he had a total laryngectomy and never went back to work. I wrote up a realistic list of what he could and couldn't do. The couldn't do list had six things on it. The could do list had 42. When you are freaking out, write out the worst case scenario. Then write out the best case scenario. When your brain tells you all the things you can't do, challenge it to find the things you can do. Amazing how many more I found that he could do than he couldn't. Next was time in nature. I walked with Phil. I walked alone. I did a Pokemon walk with one of Miles' best friends. I sat and just looked at the yard with all of the spring flowers in full bloom. I know that nature is medicine, and I gave that medicine to myself and Phil as often as we were able. I also used the timer technique I teach patients. Allow yourself 15 minutes a day to really worry about all the worst case scenarios. Cry, scream, whatever you need. Then when the 15 minutes is up, you are done worrying for the day. When worry comes up, remind yourself that you are done for today. There will be more time to worry tomorrow and redirect your brain to something useful. I now know how many redirects that takes. At some points in the day, it was literally every 30 seconds. I'd realize I was down the rabbit hole again and would pull myself out and put my mind to something useful. I see with this how much meditation helps you notice when your brain is off track and redirect it to something more productive. Finally, I focused on both of our sleep. When I got his coughing under control, I still was not sleeping well. He makes noises when he sleeps now. They are noises that, as a doctor, suggest airway issues. They tell my brain I should stay awake and keep an eye on him. But again, what are the facts? I looked in his throat through the scope. I knew there was room to breathe, even if the cancer was making it a little more difficult. So again, managing my crazy brain. He is okay. I don't need to stay up. If he suddenly really can't breathe, he will wake me. So I put in earplugs, put a pillow over my head, and took some Benadryl. Because we can all manage better when we get enough sleep. One of the things I have to address in the waiting game is the strain on relationships. The waiting is tough and stressful. Tempers flare. Old grievances may rear their head. All of the marital challenges you have faced in the past may come back to the surface. This is not uncommon. Be on the lookout for it so you can try to have open lines of communication and work through things as they come up. Better if possible not to let them fester. Our relationship is no different than anyone else's and has taken a lot of hard blows in the past year. But we continue to work to be a team and at each other's side. As I write this, we are 48 hours before the surgery. He went into work this morning to finish up some last paperwork. I needed something to do this morning to keep me busy. The waiting and doing nothing is hard. Better to be busy. So I wrote and recorded this podcast. I guess it's another thing I'd tell patients playing the waiting game. Don't just sit and fret. Stay busy. Be productive. Find things to do to enjoy the time. Like I always say, no matter what, you aren't getting this time back.
I've actually enjoyed the past 10 days doing all the things he wanted to do and doing my best to be present in those moments. In the near future, I will write again, let you know what happened at surgery, whether a total laryngectomy or a partial, and what I'm learning about the recovery process. Much love to all of you. Keep us in your thoughts. Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. Did you know you can get more information on my website, bestlifeaftercancer.com? There is also a Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD, where there is a group just for survivors. Here you are able to interact with me, ask questions, and get more help. I'd love to see you there. Have a great week, and I'll speak with you soon.